today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Just looking for an email that I was sent, uh, sent uh, earlier on today, uh, which talks about a uh, uh, you know some gaming site, some and they're offering um, uh, odds on the president and the Mueller report being uh, released. Oh, here it is. Uh, odds. So there's a, a, a gaming house. Uh, what is this called? Bookmaker. Uh, EU uh, opens opened in several markets on President Trump's reaction to the release of the Mueller report on Thursday. So they are laying odds on the president's reaction uh, to the Mueller report. Um, he they've asked they've given odds on how many times he, uh, during uh, April 18th. I guess so it's a 24 hour period during the day. On April uh, 18th, uh, which is Thursday, how many times he will tweet about it gives the odds for that. How many times he will tweet the word exonerate? Um, how many times he will tweet the word coup? Uh, how many times he will tweet the phrase fake news on Thursday, April 19th? And it gives all these odds. Oh, and the other, how many pages in the Mueller report have no redaction? So how many pages will we actually... Uh, get to see. And, and you know, you got to wonder if when all of this is over and it is out, whether anything will have changed. Will this will this move the needle at all either way? Or, you know, if you're a backer of Trump, you f- still feel the same. And if you're not, you still feel the same about that, too. Uh, redaction or not, when we get this report, is it is it going to solve anything? Uh, obviously, tensions are flaring as Thursday approaches uh, for the president, Democrats and those in the White House, as a redacted Mueller report is expected to re- be revealed on Thursday. To talk more about this, Ryan Hurl is with us, assistant professor, Department of Political Science, University of Toronto. He is with us now. Ryan, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Oh, no problem at all. So, uh, first of all, what are you expecting to see on Thursday? Uh, uh, just a lot of blacked-out pages, or do you think we'll we'll get something of substance here? I think there's going to be disagreement over exactly how significant the redactions are. Um, I guess my hope is that um, there would be just a reasonable level of redactions. Apparently, uh, Attorney General Barr is going to color-code the redactions to make it easier to interpret for the members of Congress. That is to understand so they can understand whether is this a redaction because it's classified uh, grand jury related material is it related to uh, methods of surveillance and so on and so forth. But I think there is going to right away we're probably going to see a lot of arguments over the redactions. Um, I think and then in the second stage, of course, there is going to be immediate disagreement over uh, the, the question of obstruction in the report. It's going to take a lot of time to work our way through the whole 400 pages. But I, I, I very much suspect that people are going to see the issue of obstruction in very different light. Uh, the color coding idea, that seems to be interesting, doesn't it? I, I'm, just, I'm envisioning highlighting mar- highlighter markers here. Uh, will that help in the sense that it, it will at least define, you know, what is being redacted? Okay, that's something to do with this. Exactly. That's something to do with that. No, yes, I think I think that's the case. I mean, I think that the there is going to be a question of the legitimacy of any conclusions that are drawn on the basis of the report, as long as there is any kind of sense that uh, key information is being withheld. On the other hand, I think that members of Congress do understand that there there there's a reason some types of information are are, are held in confidence. There's reason some information is not made available to the public. So I very much hope that uh, the Attorney General is able to do this in a responsible way, because I, 
I think there's a, there is a general sense that it would be nice if the country could start taking some steps beyond the Trump-Russia collusion investigation. And secrecy, uh, unnecessary secrecy, obviously, is not going to help that. Uh, once this is all out on Thursday or the redacted version of it, will this move the needle in this discussion at all? Or will it if you're, be if you're a Trump supporter, you're double down. If you're not, you're double down there. Will it depend on who you ask? Uh, I don't think so. I, or it depends on what way you look at it. I mean, I do think it is possible that once people have a chance to digest some of the contents of the full reports, they will see that some of the the initial concerns really were not have not been substantiated. Whether that's the same of exoneration, I don't think exoneration is a legal category. But nevertheless, we could we it, it seems highly likely that you know everyone will be able to conclude that the worst case scenario of complete collusion and conspiracy between the Trump uh, the Trump campaign and Russia is that's not there. That's not something that's on the table. Uh, beyond that, if you look at it from a political perspective. I don't think people's opinions of the Trump administration have really been driven all that much by this investigation. I think that it has caused partisans on both sides to become enraged and for very different reasons. But I think for the people who are going to be determining the election, say, in 2020, I don't think their vote is hinging on the specific results of the or interpretation of the Mueller investigation once the worst case scenario has been ruled out. And it very much looks like the worst case scenario has already been ruled out. Uh, as we know, uh, uh, the, the president has has taken the initial four pages that was released by his attorney general as uh, sort of exoneration and in, in doing a victory lap and such. Um, I, I, and, and obviously Mueller has said that there's nothing illegal at this point that he can, uh, well, he's not saying it's not illegal, but he's not saying it's legal. Uh, unless right. something is illegal, does it matter? At the end of the day, you know, are people just get, well, it wasn't, it's not illegal. So what the hell do, it doesn't matter. It, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's all within the law. It's all interpretation I, of, does it matter if something is legal or not in this case? Yes, because in, in some, let me, let me. Let me try and approach it from this perspective. Uh, there is a difference between a decision to prosecute criminally and a decision of Congress to impeach. And I think it is, though there, of course, there's going to be disagreement over this question, the general idea is that the scope of Congress's impeachment powers is, is different than a normal uh, criminal investigation. Uh, that, that being the case, uh, even, even that being the case, I think that it will be very difficult for Congress to reach the conclusion that an obstruction of justice charge that is even somewhat doubtful could be the basis for impeachment if there's not also evidence of some kind of underlying crime. I mean, a lot of people raised the issue of Watergate, where there was an issue of obstruction of justice from the Nixon administration. But what we have to remember, of course, is that the Nixon administration was aware of the underlying crime, the underlying break-in, even if President Nixon had not himself personally authorized it. So is there a case, and you know, could there be a case of obstruction that could lead to impeachment? Yes, the mere fact that Robert Mueller did not make the conclusion that an indictable offensive obstruction had occurred does not mean that Congress can't come to a different conclusion. Uh, what are the chances of impeachment? It seems that Nancy Pelosi was moving away from that, uh, didn't want to go there. It'll just divide the country. Does that mean that this report might be softer than she anticipated? Oh, definitely. I think that unless, unless William Barr has done something 
totally dumbfounding and completely distorted the contents of it. I do not think there will be, I, I would be very, very surprised if uh, impeachment would proceed on the basis of obstruction of justice. Now, keep in mind, it is possible to obstruct justice even if there is no underlying crime. The extreme example would be something like just, you can destroy evidence and be charged for that, even if it's even if ultimately you were not charged for the underlying crime. It seems unlikely that Trump or in the Trump administration did something as extreme as that, as destroying evidence. Where there might be a question is whether or not the president's, uh, the ordinary actions of the president's, things we're already aware of, like firing James Comey, could be the basis for impeachment. That seems to be much more debatable. But ultimately, that decision has to be made by Congress. Donald Trump, obviously, after uh, the Attorney General uh, Barr released his uh, his four page summary of this, uh, quick to take the victory lap. Too early for the victory lap? Should uh, should he be doing doing uh, victory burnouts at this point, or should he have waited? Uh, it does seem to me that the Barr memo was some kind of an attempt to sort of prepare the battlefield. I imagine that, you know, if someone were to do a 400-page report on my private life, I imagine that even if there is no indictable offense found, there might be much that is actually quite embarrassing. Hmm. And so what I imagine in the case of this report is people start combing through it, as in the case of the Starr investigation way back in the 1990s, there's going to be a great deal of information that does not put the president and his administration in the best light. And so I think the, the initial Barr report was an attempt uh, to sort of start shaping the public mood, right? And I think what's also strange about it, of course, is that ultimately the attorney general was not going to be acting on the basis of the report. The audience for the report is Congress, because when you have situations of illegality by the president, only Congress has the power to indict, which is essentially what impeachment is, right? The Department of Justice does not indict a president for violations of federal law, that is a decision that has to be made by Congress. So I think that some people, you, you might hear some more talk about the, how the Barr memo itself was meant to sort of shape public conceptions be- before the full story was in the public eye. Uh, should, uh, what about tax returns? I mean, this is coming up again and again and again. Uh, will will uh, the United States ever see Donald Trump's tax returns while he's a president? I mean, I think that's possible. I mean, I have different perspectives on this. I mean, I do recall back in the 1990s not being terribly enthused or interested about the various investigations into uh, the Clinton's financial background. Um, yeah, I don't have a I, I don't have a strong opinion on this. It does seem to me that there is probably a large segment of the country that once this the Mueller investigation is over is probably more concerned with the more uh, pressing questions, the uh, the kind of questions that are going to be occupying people in the 2020 election, as opposed to possible violations in the past. Having said that, we all know that Trump was a New York real estate developer. Were lines crossed? Were deals made that perhaps couldn't have been made? Uh, were questionable decisions made? That seems entirely likely. Um, but I'm as a political strategy, I'm not sure how much uh, headway the Democrats will get out of it. I wouldn't be, I, to some degree, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point uh, they pull they pull back from that from that angle. So uh, you don't think not seeing the president's uh, tax returns is resonating with Americans? I mean, many have said that you know he's the only one not to do it. Does that matter then? Uh, we, I mean, we we will see. Uh, I think it is. 
I can't give a, a definite answer to that question. Um, it does seem to me that it is kind of conducting politics by other means. And maybe it's merely hope on my part, but, you know, there are plen- 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 plenty of presidents, good presidents, Lyndon Johnson, who engaged in questionable private financial activities. And it seems to me that there can be a place for investigating that, but investigating prior economic, uh, financial activities when a president has the responsibility for governing the country, I mean, there's a real cost to that. And it seems to me that it would be preferable for the country to say that, you know, we don't necessarily need to dredge up these kinds of issues as long as someone is still expected to be president of the country. There are plenty of things to disagree about, plenty of things to question the president about, but making making the, the personal political mm. is not likely to be healthy for the country. Uh, the report out Thursday, what will we be talking about Friday, do you think? We're going to be talking about the disagreements over the scope of obstruction. That would be my guess. I think that there is going to be a lot of different viewpoints on this. I think there's going to be potentially embarrassing information. Uh, it might take a bit more than Friday. It's a, it's a pretty long report. I don't know. I know I don't read that quickly. But it does seem to me that not everyone will see eye to eye on the question of whether or not the, the level of obstruction was serious or not. Are you surprised Donald Trump is still talking about this? I was joking about the, the bookmaker that, that, that's uh, on Thursday uh, betting on placing odds on how many times he will say certain things. Are you surprised he's still talking about this? He's still fueling the fire. No, not at all. I mean, this is, you have to, it seems that probably for, like I said, I mentioned that group of voters who will be actually deciding the election. These are people who are not necessarily paying attention to every single day-to-day story on the question of Russian collusion. So their level of information is going to be, there's a kind of investigation going on about collusion, and now a report has come out and has the president been exonerated in some way. So he's trying to connect with that with, with that voter, with that citizen, who is not necessarily following all the details, all the complexities. So you have to, you have to, at that level, you have to keep the story relatively simple. And tweeting total exoneration is a way of sending that nice, simple message. Good point. Um, I can't let you go without asking you about the Julian Assange angle. Obviously uh, arrested in the UK at the Ecuadorian embassy, now awaiting, uh, could be possibly extradited. It looks like he will be extradited to the United States. Uh, We remember during the campaign, uh, uh, the president making reference to WikiLeaks and, and saying that he loved them and go get Hillary and all that sort of thing. Um, and now, of course, I don't know much about it, and, and he's kind of quiet on it. Can he just back off of this now that it's becoming more complicated? I think from a political perspective, uh, he, is, he is able to do. Whether this is the, the right moral thing to do, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. To tell you the truth, the, the Julian Assange issue, it raises a lot of complex questions, and reasonable people have differing views on the severity of either what Assange did or what, what the way Assange has been treated. So, I mean, this is, this is an issue that's not going to go away, but like a lot of things, it is very complex. Uh, doesn't it split the line, and, you know, I, I'm not asking your personal opinion here, although if you want to give it, go ahead. Sure. Um, with the issue on Julian Assange, is it about, is, is he a traitor? Is he a advocate for free speech? And is the difference not, is, is the difference not when you hack something, when you... When you right. physically steal something, does that not change the whole journalistic question? Yeah, so the question for me, and something I don't know the answer to, is to what extent is WikiLeaks and Assange himself as, a, as an organization 
to what extent are they directly involved uh, in the hacking, in the in the criminal activity? There is a general sense amongst the public, most journalists, I suppose, that a for a news outlet like the New York Times to publish to publish information that was illegally obtained, that that, that is actually fine, right? So. It, is that not the situation that Assange was in? He has come into the possession of illegally obtained information, and he has published it. That's not so very different from what uh, the New York Times did way back in the Pentagon Papers cases in the 1970s. And that is usually seen as sort of a, a triumph of journalistic, journalistic integrity, a triumph of truth-telling. So I'm not as familiar with the Assange case to be able to say if it is different, but that would be the first question I want to answer. You know, how exactly is Assange in a different position than a newspaper like the New York Times, like the Washington Post, that is publishing leaked information, because that is something that certainly happens all the time. Right. Um, is uh, uh, is the president best to just separate himself from Assange now? Uh, and and can he do that considering what he has said? Well, I guess I would say the public's memory is is not is not great. And uh, presumably there at some point there will be other issues that uh, the nation will have to move on to. I just don't think the, 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 the fate of Julian Assange looms very large in the public mind. I don't think uh, Trump is going to pay, pay much of a penalty for any kind of inconsistencies on these questions. What happens once the Mueller report is over and done with? What do we talk about then? That is an excellent question. Um, I think at that point, we will be deep into the issue of the democratic field and sort of the, the state of the democratic mind and which democratic candidate is going to be the Obama of 2020. Is there anyone who is going to be able to heal some of the divisions between the moderates and the more leftist wing of the party? Uh, is there anyone who's going to be able to capture the public imagination? And I think, uh, also probably looming on the public agenda is the question of whether or not uh, America's you know, long-term fiscal situation is going to be sustainable. Um, I, I, I don't have the power to resurrect Ross Perot as a third-party candidate to mm. inject some fiscal realism into the debate, but that's certainly what um, the United States needs in terms of what it should be talking about. Um, again, that's probably wishful thinking on my part. Is it too early to think how history will view Donald Trump? Far too early. Um, I think that a lo- obviously a lot of it will depend upon whether he's able to recreate uh, the success of the 2016 campaign. Uh, one-term presidents are usually not looked on very kindly. I think at this point, if Trump were to lose in 2020, uh, it would be looked at as a kind of uh, inconsequential presidency. Uh, generally good times in the United States. He was able to benefit uh, from the good economic conditions. Um, but I think at, at this stage, um, you can, it's, it's a little bit too early to say, but you, much of it simply depends on 2020. Do you think perception will be different? Um, many would look right now, either you love him or you hate him. He's pretty divisive. Uh, many not happy with certainly the personality aspect of it. Do you think history will make us view him differently than that? Do you think we'll look uh, back and go, wow, you know, it was pretty unconventional, but it was great. Well, I guess I guess I would look at it this way. Let's say um, you know, let's say Donald Trump is elected in 2020. Uh, he makes it to 2024 without a major foreign policy disaster. That would arguably uh, distinguish him from at least the last two presidencies. So I think that 
some of the worst case scenarios about Trump, particularly on the foreign policy side, the notion that he would just be utterly irresponsible in the international arena, I think those have proven to be incorrect. Uh, on the other hand, and to get it back to the, the fiscal issues I was talking about, people, the history might also look back and say this is a time when Trump you know, had an opportunity to focus the United States, uh, the, 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 the polity on some really serious questions. Uh, but instead, uh, the country wasn't distracted and the president did, was not able to assert leadership in a way that made the public more serious about some of the real problems that they're facing. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Ryan Hurl has been with us, Assistant Professor, Department of Political Science, University of Toronto. Ryan, thank you so much for the time. Much appreciated. No problem. Anytime. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.